Hi, and welcome to episode 18 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, we have Dr. Monica Berger. She's a teacher, mentor, author, and national and international lecturer. She currently has a private family practice in Ammon, Idaho, that is dedicated to serving those with neurodevelopmental challenges, neurodegenerative disorders, and chronic health issues. She is the pioneer in the chiropractic profession when it comes to working with children that have neurosensory and neurodevelopmental disorders. Dr. Berger is the founder of the Intersect for Life Mentoring and Online Learning Academy with various CE classes focusing on functional neurology, neurodevelopment, methylation biochemistry, and functional nutrition. Her new exciting adventure is her upcoming Developing Mind Certification Program in Functional Neurodevelopment. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Vulcan. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Monica, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I, uh, I love this topic and um, I love sharing it with people that are as passionate about it as I am. So I'm excited to hang with you today. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're the first chiropractor, you know, in, in this realm to be on the podcast. So, you know, I'm really excited about that as well. Is there anything that you want to tell us about like your background or history or how you, from a chiropractic sense, came to be in the TOTS realm? (laughs) Good question. Um, Well, my background is exercise physiology and um, I'm a bit of a a self-claimed neuro nerd. I love um, neurophysiology, neuroanatomy, um, anything to have to do with the nervous system because actually chiropractic is really built around um, affecting and how we can help regulate the nervous system. So um, I, I kind of got into the back doorway uh, by learning and, and studying in-depth methylation biochemistry. And um, we know that there is a tie, haha, so to speak, <laughs> methylation biochemistry and tethered oral tissues. And so I kind of got into that back door and then that led me to thinking, okay, as a chiropractor, and looking at um, biomechanics, what we call functional biomechanics of the spine and the muscles, how could these restrictions possibly affect biomechanics, which would in turn affect neurological functioning? Mm-hmm. And so then it just went from there. <laughs> then I tied all the pieces together and then I, uh, and, and look at the bigger picture. I like to look at the bigger picture. So that's kind of where I landed. Fantastic. Yeah. So I want to learn from you, you know, obviously from what I do, as far as tots go, you know, I'm looking at the speech feeding more, I always say like above the neck (laughs) type of things. Um, You know, what, what is it to you? Like, what are tots to you? How do you address tots? And and I'm sure it's a loaded question, but um, you know, from a chiropractic care and from this, this end that you're talking. Thank you for asking that because, um, to me and um, a, a large body, and I know yourself too, TOTS is much more than feeding or speech. Mm-hmm. So I definitely we want to look at those, at those concerns. Um, 
but it is much more global than that. So I like to use this analogy. If we had a rubber band, okay, and you had one end of the rubber band and I had the other. And so these are restrictions. I kind of refer to them as a tethered or a restriction. Uh-huh. They're restricting our, um, and stressing out our body systems on a continuous basis. That's the potential they have. We don't know the impact of those restrictions of that stressor until it's off the system, right? So I get asked the question all the time, and we'll get to that in a minute, I think, about neurodevelopment delays. What, how, much, how much could this, this tongue tie be playing into that delay? And I say, I don't know, because there's a lot of factors that go with neurodevelopment delays, and I don't know until the stress is off the system how much that particular thing played in the role. Mm, interesting. Right? Yeah. No. Let's, take it, let's go back to the rubber band analogy. You have one end of the rubber band, I have the other. And we're constantly paying a tug or war. You pull a little bit on your end, I pull a little bit more on my end. You pull back, I pull back. We're constantly tethering each other. We're mm-hmm. constantly pulling against each other. We're not working together. Well, these, the tongue is, is referred to as the rotor of the spine. Mm-hmm. So let's take, it's like an anchor. So if we have this piece of tissue that's under the tongue um, and it's one end of the rubber band and I'm um, the base of my spine, that's the other end of the rubber band. And the top end is constantly pulling on the bottom end, and the bottom end is constantly pulling on the top end. It's constantly this tension, this stress throughout the whole body. Uh-huh. So we look at these restrictions as tension, stress on the system from the cranium, the top of the head, all the way down to the base of the spine. Because these tissues, I say it's like, um, it's like gristle and meat. Hmm. So if you have a raw piece of meat. Yeah. And you want to cut it or whatever you want to do. Um, I don't eat, I only eat fish. So it's sometimes a hard, <laughs> but I prepare meat for others. So if you have a piece of steak or whatever, and it's like, it's like that, um, that white stuff that goes through all through the whole meat, right? So the fascia in our body covers our, our muscles, our ligaments, our nerves, our bones. It's one big web. So this tension underneath our tongue actually is this one end attached to this web, this whole network through our entire body. So we're not just going to have a problem at that site. We're going to have a problem globally. Hmm. Okay. I, so, and, and I now, of course, have questions. I mean, the way you're explaining this, I've always had theories in my head. And I even tell some of my patients, I'm like, this is just my theory. I, I don't know if research exists to back this up or not. But, you know, my daughter's constipation stopped right after her tongue tie was released. And so in my mind, I went, hmm, I think it's pulling up the hyoid bone, which is in turn pulling up, you know, your everything all the way down to the lower esophageal sphincter. And so, you know, that's where sometimes you get babies who are more, have more reflux or have, they're more uncomfortable. There's more discomfort because they can't manage to keep things down as well as other babies or have spitters or whatever. Um, you know, it's not just a laundry problem. I think there's more going on. And so this is really fascinating. Are you sure you're not a, a functional neurology chiropractor? <laughs> I'm a major nerd and I love all this stuff. So yeah, no, and, and that's, this is my daughter's what threw me into this, you know, I was already a feeding specialist, but then I went like, huh. So what I'm thinking now is that, you know, the tongue obviously is impacting digestion, but also it impacts how we taste things in our mouth. So I always tell people too, you know, if you can't manage it and it falls on the wrong taste buds and it doesn't taste good or feel good, or you can only mash it this way because you can't move the food around, you know, so 
I think it, like you said, it definitely goes beyond what's going on in the mouth, but just how, you know, how much starts there. And if we can't eat the foods we need to support our body and all of our other systems because of this tethered oral tissue, it's just, it's such a chicken and egg thing and absolutely on first and, but so fascinating. <laughs> so many pieces. I say it's a big rabbit hole and <laughs> yes. I love those rabbit holes, but they keep me up till two in the morning sometimes putting all the pieces together. So yeah. Um, well, so let's talk about some of the developmental challenges related to TOTS that you're, you know, seeing and addressing in your practice. So, um, okay. I, I, I'd like to broaden the, the thought process here beyond yeah. just the other tongue, mm-hmm. but lip and bugle ties as well. Yeah. So um, let's say we have a um, buccal tie. Some say buckle, some say buccal, but a, a tie on the right, the right side, okay, and the, between the gum and the, and the cheek. So there's a, there's a tension there. Uh-huh. And the tongue tie is um, a little bit more restricted on the right side as well. We're just going to use the right side for this, neck, for this manner. So when, first thing is, we, we tend to see that babies with um, tethered restrictions, um, they don't like things like tummy time. Mm-hmm. What happens is, we also know that because this, this tongue is this anchor, and so we've got this anchor that will tend to pull the head forward, the, the, the head into this forward mechanism. So when I'm a baby, I might have a hard time being on tummy time, getting my head up. So that in and of itself, from a neurodevelopmental standpoint, let's just use that position because I know we're at lack for time because there's a, a bunch of milestones that can be affected by these restrictions. Because if I'm restricted on the right, I may not be able to roll to my left side. Mm-hmm. I may be pulled, torqued to that right side because that, that there's more tension, there's more momentum going to my right so I don't roll to my left. We're designed to be what we call bilateral, go in both directions. That's for good neural development. Yeah. Um, so I, I might miss out on that. But let's just take tummy time. If I can't get up, be on my tummy, um, there's a, um, a number of what we call primitive reflexes. Mm-hmm. We're born with them. You know these. We're born with them. Um, we should be born with them. They're survival-based reflexes. Yeah. Um, and they're to alert our caregivers that there's a problem. I am not autonomous yet. I can't do anything about it. Please help me. I cry. I whatever. Those reflexes are what I call the roots of the nervous system. They're primitive. They're primitive structures of the brain. And if we don't, what we call integrate them, if we don't, um, if if those stay active, we can't build upon our our neurological foundation. We can't go to that next level of neurological um, development because we're stuck in this. We tend to be stuck in this fight or flight mechanism. Um, and that has a whole set of neurophysiological consequences like decreased digestion, um, decreased sleep, add more agitation, that whole thing. So if I don't get into these developmental patterns, these movement patterns, those primitive reflexes can stay too active. And I'm stuck there. I'm stuck in this primitive part of my brain. As humans, we have a special part of the brain that animals don't. We have what we call the frontal lobe. And that's our executive functioning part of the brain. That's our, that's our CEO of the brain. That guy, that guy, it puts the brakes on our emotional part of our brain, that, that primitive part of the brain. And it is our reasonable, set, reasonable, rational, impulse control, thought-provoking part of our brain. 
that makes us different than animals, right? An animal is, is always looking out for prey or not to be prey, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they, they have more of a primitive brain than we have. So these, these movement patterns, tummy time, rolling, creeping, crawling, rocking on all fours, those are essential building steps to, to build those higher levels of the brain. Yeah. Ultimately, that frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. When I'm in tummy time and I put my head into extension, I'm able to lift my head up and look at the world. That is doing a lot of neurological development. There's what we call sensory information that comes into the brain. And it's very much profound from the upper neck area, from the muscles and the joints of the upper neck. Hmm. And that goes into parts of the brain that help build our sensory motor responses to our environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I don't get there, I never build those connections in the brain. Brain um, development uh, is based upon our sensory experiences and how we take in the world around us and internally within us and how we respond to that world. And if we don't get those right building blocks, then our response tends to be um, not, um, not a mature response. And that could be seen academically, socially, emotionally, or with motor skills. So hopefully that, hope that got a little... Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's wonderful. And um, I learned a lot of this with my second child, not to this extent that you shared with us here, but to some degree, because she was also, she was released at day five, her tongue tie was released, her tongue and lip actually um, were both released. And she did okay with tummy time, but she definitely had a preference for her left side. And Mm -hmm. And everything was, you know, everything was left sided and she never crawled until about, a month and a half ago and she's 17 months old. Um, and I took her to, you know, craniosacral and I took her to the osteopath and, um, the osteopath said to me, she was like, don't do anything, you know, for the next three weeks. And sure enough, within two days, she was standing within three weeks, she was walking and she was still within what I would consider the range of typical development. She's not 18 months yet, which I know they say is kind of, but knowing what I know and having gone down this rabbit hole, <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, my tots baby needs to, we need to address this on the forefront and not wait and see what happens. Um, and so watching, you know, how she did with tummy time and watching and trying to help her integrate certain reflexes when she didn't crawl, I was like, oh no, these reflexes are not going to integrate properly. And oh my goodness. <laughs> and, you know, and as a mom, I was like, oh. But she's now, funny enough, now crawling after she started walking. And I saw her crawling across the couch on all fours like a month and a half ago. And I said to my husband, I was like, look, she's crawling. She's crawling. And he was like, but she can walk now. What's the big deal? I was like, no, no, no. You don't get it. This is huge. <laughs> I was like, it's a big deal. So, yes, I, I totally get it. And that yeah. was my first experience with, it, with this whole, you know, the whole primitive reflex thing. Because we're not taught this in school. So unless you seek it out through education as a speech pathologist, this is not something, you know, beyond the primitive reflexes related to like feeding and, you know, um, as far as like the more gross motor reflexes go. Right. And then putting that into context, what that means brain development wise. So she was using her left brain, left side more. Mm -hmm. She recognizes she has the left side of the world, Mm -hmm. left side of the body, and she could live in that part of the space. Mm -hmm. But our brain, so what I, what I tell people is, if they're one-sided, they're left-sided or right, whatever, um, and they don't recognize they have another side of the world, it, an imbalanced use of the body 
is an imbalanced development of the brain. Mm. So our brain needs to have whole function. I call it whole brain, whole body function. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if I'm recognizing my left hand and my left leg, my left side, my right, what we call right cortex of the brain, mm-hmm. and my left cerebellum, cerebellum we call it the little brain, but it's extremely important. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, um, I do a lot of neurological, neural teaching and stuff. So we used to look at brain regions as their own entities. And now, um, you know, neuroscience has come a long way. And it is more of a, a connection and a, um, communication because they all overlap in their function. Mm-hmm. So if my left base, or excuse me, let's say I'm using my left side, my left brace of my brain, base of my brain, my root ball or cerebellum, and my right hemisphere, those guys are connecting and working well because I recognize I have a left side. That's how our neurological system works. Mm-hmm. But what about my right side? So my right, when I use my right hand and right leg, it's stimulating the left cortex, upper part of my brain. Well, that's extremely important in academics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she's an early talker, but just like my first one. And I, it was so funny. I'm like, here, this kid is dragging her left leg around and you know, but her language was really advanced. So it's so interesting you say that because she was activating the left side of her brain, even though she was dragging her left, uh, right. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying here? It's, it's, it's she, wasn't, so she wasn't using her left leg. So she was, I'm trying to like look at her in my brain. I'm pretty sure it was the left side. She was dragging the left leg. She would use her arm fine as if she was crawling, but her left leg she was dragging and she was very quick to get from one side of the room to the other, but she could not, she would not put it down and wait there on that knee. Um, even on the stairs, she figured out how to avoid using it to go up the stairs. It was kind of amazing. <laughs> right, right. So she's, so she is, she was lacking input. Mm-hmm. Um, in That's the right side of the brain then? Correct. Right, right. So that's what, yeah. So there's language. She was right. So, but what does that show like when they're um, when they're in second, third grade? Uh-huh. That might present as um, trouble with reading, reading comprehension. Uh-huh. So again, depending what part of the brain they're lacking. Right, right. Some of the things we're seeing with kiddos now, they can't sit still. They're antsy pantsy in the in the classroom. They can't sit still in circle time. Um, math skills. I mean, it's showing as, again, depending what part of the brain is, is lower, deactivated. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when there's an imbalance in the brain, another part of the brain is overworking. Mm-hmm. It's right. That makes sense. Okay. So that can be very disturbing to us. I call it the kiddos get crazy brain. Okay? Yeah. Because, but they can't articulate that. They can't express that, right? Mm-hmm. They're six, seven, eight years old. They can't say... I'm feeling kooky in my brain. Uh-huh. Okay. They act out. Right. So their neurological expression is simply um, a window into their neurological integrity. Where does that integrity start? It starts back actually in fetal development. Mm-hmm. So what is that window then? And I know that's uh, one thing we want to touch on is what is like the window of development? And yeah, we call it um, uh, neurological windows of development or neuroplastic windows of development. Mm-hmm. Our brain is consider it like a, a piece of clay mm-hmm. clay that has no and it's smooth lump of clay you know as we use different parts of our body we in, we make impressions we make plastic we call it plastic changes we build 
neurons and, and um, pathways for these nerves to talk to each other. And that is enhanced by specific movements within our environment. There's some genetics in there too. Um, but if we don't, it, it's a use it or lose it kind of principle. So that ultimate window is in fetal development into that first few years, hmm. really critical. So what we want to see with these kiddos is um, certain kind of motor movements, eyes, eye tracking to both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to see both hands and legs. Um, we want to see that baby bring both hands to midline about three months and, and looking at their hands and both feet kicking and not dragging one leg. Mm-hmm. Okay, So we want to see these symmetrical movements or both, both sides of the body moving, both eyes being able to stop on a target and look at you in the face and being able to, to, to have that gaze, that, that fixation gaze and not eyes wandering, eyes supposed to cross across the midline. We look at very specific developmental movement and that gives us a window into what's going on and what parts of the brain are activated or not. In balance, then later on when I'm trying to learn math or some other skill or a motor skill, catching and throwing, mm-hmm. they might like the, those kind of activities because there's certain parts of the brain that are strong and certain that are weak. And this can present in behavioral issues, learning issues, attention issues, bedwetting. Okay. So, um, so we talked a little bit about how it might be expressed in like a child, um, you know, as they get older and obviously the milestones, if they're not hitting certain milestones when they're, you know, in infancy and toddlerhood, um, is there a time when you generally like if a parent recognizes certain milestones are not being hit, like they're three months behind or they're two months behind or, you know, cause I know there's always a window of development, you know, when do you generally recommend parents seek chiropractic or other body work, um, you know, care from my standpoint, the earlier, the better. Um, I like to check my little fiddle farts right when they're born. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, because I want to see um, when it, when it, when somebody brings a newborn to me and as soon as I walk in that room, they should have a, about five seconds of, of eye fixation of eye contact. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm looking at these very specific um, indicators and that's giving me a window into their neurological integrity. Um, I'm looking then, you know, yeah, we look at feeding and so forth, but you know, a couple months into it, they should not be squawking at tummy time. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be able to be on tummy time and bring their head up. What is their tone? What right. is their tone? Mm-hmm. Because that upper neck area also deals with, um, I call it the big bad voodoo daddy nerve. It's <laughs> vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this vagus nerve, um, if it is not, if it's got stress on it from a, a from a, a mechanical standpoint, from that upper neck area, putting stress onto it from an inflammatory mode, from a biomechanical mode, maybe the muscles are too tight, uh, maybe the, the spine is out of alignment. There could be various factors. That nerve. So you were talking about digestion with your your daughter. Mm-hmm. My first one, yeah. My now almost four-year-old, yeah. We see that a lot with tots. Reflux, GI issues, sleep issues, tummy time issues. That vagus nerve is um, responsible. I call him, he, he is the master anti-inflammatory. He turns off inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. 
inflammatory switch. He um, controls digestion. He controls the immune system. The immune system is the vagus nerve for most part. And so the tetherdoral tissues are then inhibiting that? Yeah, that- it inhibits its function. So what do we see a lot with these little 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 guys with um, tots? Oftentimes, they also have associated ear infections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chronic ear infections. You see, I don't know if you see that a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. But but uh, chiropractors often are um, sought out for things such as colic and ear infections. We don't treat per se any of that. Mm-hmm. We don't treat specific um, labels or diagnoses. What we do is we take the stress off of the nervous system so that those nerves can function to their optimum potential. Mm-hmm. And if those nerves control certain mechanisms, by default, you're going to see those things tend to get better as well, if mm-hmm. that's cause. So um, we tend to see as chiropractors, kiddos with multiple ear infections within the first couple of years of life. If they have that stress on the upper neck area, and that vagus nerve isn't allowed to do its job from an immune standpoint, mm. but it also innervates, opens up the ear canals, the inner ears, to allow the fluid to drain. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason one of the things you could potentially see from that is those chronic ear infection loads. Mm-hmm. And that's where I always say I get the kids with the, they're just draining out the nose, they're always congested and you know, they're coming to me to work on all these different feeding skills and parents are going, well, I want them to stop drooling. I'm going, well, I can't expect them to close their mouth until they can nasally breathe. <laughs> they can breathe through their nose, you know, yeah. and I can't expect them to breathe through their nose until we clear up all these other things. So it's like exactly. a whole body thing here. Yeah. yeah. And we know that, that we call the gut the second brain, uh-huh. so gut brain, brain gut connection. Yep. And guess what connects those two? It's the vagus nerve. The nerve. Then so then here's the rabbit hole. So then they get the ear infections or the sinus infections. The ear infections is the most common in that first two-year window. Then they get on antibiotics, which destroys the gut, what we call the gut microbiome, the good dudes in the gut. Mm-hmm. 80% of your immune system is in your gut. Mm-hmm. But again, that vagus nerve controls your gut function, so much of your gut function. So it stands yeah. even, right? Yeah. So then we get, a, we get the antibiotics, we get a poor gut. And now we get more in ear infections, more sinus stuff, and, and you're just chasing the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, if that gut is destroyed, we know that is tied into um, so many of our chronic illnesses. Like, like when, as an adult, we're getting way down the rabbit hole here now. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's okay. Keep going. I'm sure people will appreciate it. So. <laughs> but here's the deal, and this is what I try to do. I, I, try, to say, I, say, I try to stop the train before it goes off the tracks. Meaning uh, our chronic diseases now are multiple sclerosis, our Parkinson's, our Alzheimer's, our diabetes, our autoimmune issues, all those bad things we're seeing drastically on the rise are mental health issues. Mm -hmm. It actually ties into mental health issues. We know that those start about 20 years before they get the label, before they get the diagnosis. But we don't recognize that. So when when we were talking about these windows of development within the first two years, those are critically, critically tied to mental health issues. Oh, interesting. Very much so. So I need my babies to be in tummy time to have good sensory input into the brain. That's why chiropractic is so profound. Because chiropractic provides um, optimum input from our joints and muscles into the brain, creating these sensory pathways. 
And that's what's related to these, this mental health. If, that, if those windows of opportunity are missed in those early years, those are very much tied to later on being diagnosed with mental health. Hmm. So, I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You and I could go on forever. I know. Um, you can tell this is where I get really passionate because yeah. really one of my, my ultimate goal is, is um, to put myself out of business from half of my practice. I've been in practice 29 years. But to put myself out of business from having in, in the realm of having to intervene when, it's, when that child's already expressing neurological deficits and challenges in autism and ADD and all those kind of things. I don't treat those things. I want to be very clear on that. Mm-hmm. I don't treat a label or an, a, 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 anything like that. I look at the entire body. Mm-hmm. You have to look at entire body systems and not just give this for that and that for this. And, you know, it's, it's a very much thing, but I know that all those things, if they're expressing them when they're little, I know the sad potential, the possibilities, not that it's going to happen. Right. I want to say that, but that the likelihood they're more predisposed to getting something bigger down the road. Mm-hmm. So TOTS is not just about being speech. Right. It is potentially a part, not necessarily, but a part of the picture of um, what we're seeing with this chronic stress load and chronic potential neurological problems down the road. Now, are, are you personally also treating adults or do you focus mostly on peds? No, half of my practice is um, children with neurodevelopmental struggles from autism, ADD, learning disorders, that stuff. And the other half is adults and children with chronic health issues. Okay. Uh, so so ch- chiropractic is not really a pain um, therapy. It is really a global, um, optimal health vitality um, mm-hmm. profession, and and so we tend to look at that bigger picture, mm-hmm. which is so important because no not no one system works on its own. Absolutely, and that's why collaboration and team approaches are so important too. Which you know is a big topic we've covered on a lot of our podcast episodes so far. Um, just how important it is for everybody to collaborate because you know, like you said, it's not just speech and feeding, but sometimes that's what lands somebody in my office for the first time is, well, my child only eats five foods or, you know, my child was choking on this or, you know, my child is not developing their speech or we've been in speech for 15 years and we can't correct those R's. And I look like, has anybody ever looked under that tongue? (laughs) You know, has anybody, and then, you know, I'm I'm also looking at a child who, like you said, the posture is forward, both in the neck and the, you know, the head and the chin might be protruded and the tongue is laying low in the mouth and the palate is high and this may be even a kid who's had orthodontia and had expansion and had braces and you know and I'm going oh how did we get here how did we get to this point and so my goal too is to get that information out there so it's more readily available in a source where people can easily digest it and they know okay I need to seek out one of these professionals and somebody will help them kind of start to go down their own rabbit hole of how to best approach the treatment of their child and where to start first. Um, but yeah, the more we can do this with the babies and get them, you know, functioning to their fullest, that's, you know, that's my goal. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a team approach. Mm-hmm. And, and, but the fun part, like I love talking with you because you, you know, we're on that same. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, the, but it is a team approach. If we can get out there and educate core players in this field 
on the big picture. Mm-hmm. And the team, just think of the potential with those little ones going forward. I mean, it's huge. Oh, yeah. And so that's why when you, you asked me to join the show, I'm like, I'll jump on that because yeah. if we can get that word out, it's, it is, um, in, in my book, it's something that maybe we all can uh, leave a little bit of a, a legacy or a change in our communities. And Right, right, absolutely. Well, thank you. I mean, so this information so far has been so helpful. Is there anything you want to add um, that we haven't already covered I think maybe I, I, and you're going to see this too. I know we get a lot of kiddos in our offices that have been told that, oh, it's just a little tie. Don't worry about it. Or they're feeding fine. Don't worry about it. Or maybe, oh no, they don't have uh, any restrictions. Um, But you as a mom, especially I see, listen to your mommy meter. If you think, you know, that, that you want to pursue another opinion, don't be afraid to reach out, you know, find, talk to your other moms in your community, find out who's out there that um, is looking at this maybe with a different lens. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to advocate for your child because there are a lot of amazing professionals out there from OTs to um, speech pathologists to chiropractors to myofunctional therapists and lactation consultants, you know, look for those that um, can help guide you through this a little bit more, but don't be afraid to advocate. Yeah. Um, listen to that mommy meter. If you think something's up, you know, I, yeah, I know you've seen it. I don't know how many times I've walked into a room for the first time exam and the child's got maybe six, eight months old, maybe two years old already. And I walk in and I see their, I, you can, yeah, oh, there, right. You do too. Yeah. And, um, and I just see them open up their mouth. I'm like, oh my God. Right, even- right away. Right away. You're like, how has this even gone this far? <laughs> and, and they've been to three other people and they said, no, there's no tongue tie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. anyway. But right. so right. don't give up. Listen to your mommy meter. Yeah. See, and, you know, and if it's nothing, great. But look for an, somebody that advocates in your community mm-hmm. that's well-versed in the field and, um, and take it from there. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I always, I always tell my parents to say, follow your mom gut. You're the one with your child 24 seven, you know, us, you know, us as professionals, yes, we know what we know, but sometimes we step in and we only see a small picture of what is going on and how they present in that moment. And, you know, sometimes there may be people in this space that we can't fault because maybe something wasn't observed or who knows, but you know, either way, if your mom gut tells you that you don't agree with what you've received, even if you come to me and I tell you something you don't agree with, always, I would say always seek a second, third opinion, you know, seek those other opinions, find out. And and the mom Facebook groups are powerful. You can always find referrals there. So, (laughs) um, I always say airway centric, holistic, whole body, myofunctional, you know, these are some of those key terms that'll usually get you to the right practitioners in your area. Yeah. Um, so very, very good point. And now you have a website, Intersect for Life, and we will put that in um, .com, and, uh, intersectforlife.com, and we'll put that in the show notes so that people can click through. Um, but I, I was poking around there last night and saw that you have some courses and memberships. So do you want to share a little bit about that so people know what you have to offer? Yeah, it's, um, it, it's primarily right now, it's, um, it's practitioner-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have plans a little bit down the road, um, to, uh, a potential spinoff for parents as well, but right now it's practitioner oriented. Um, and I have different levels of learning abilities depending on where people are in practice, what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
we have one called the Learning Academy. And just this, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, we lit, launched our opening for our two-year um, certification program in functional neurodevelopment, and it's oh, wow. called Developing Minds. Um, so we'll be we'll be covering all this kind of material and how it all fits together, and being able to look at the big picture and figure out, you know, where's who to collaborate with in your in your communities, um, and kind of prioritizing like you know what system you might want to support in conjunction with you know for your priority. But it's a, a very intense program. So, but you'll find that all at intersectforlife.com. The reason we call it intersect is because there's so many pieces that intersect together in order to um, to build the most optimum neurological and, and body systems that you can. Very cool. I love it. And congratulations on the launch. That's exciting. <laughs> Yay. Very cool. Um, yeah, so we will put that in there so everybody can access it. Um, now, I know you also had linked to, I think, um, a research article through Facebook, maybe, that I couldn't access. Is that right? Was it a yeah, Facebook link? Um, And I'll try to um, – our, so our Facebook page is um, Intersect for Life Educational Seminars. Okay. So great. there's stuff on there and there's little video tidbits and, you know, so intersect for life educational seminars, that's Facebook and that's going to be the kind of go to. Okay. And if, if you can even remember, was there anything about that particular article that you loved? Was it a favorite one or anything you want to share? The, the one was, um, well, one was on, on the forward posture and then I, and, and, and after release that change of headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a couple other ones, and I don't know if I linked them on there was in tongue movement and certain parts of um, brain development and, and, okay. and building uh, different parts of the brain. And well, then there's, okay. there's also a fun one with um, tongue movement and bodybuilding and more power to the lower extremities. Mm. Again, all, when the tongue's a muscle. Muscles put input into the brain, sensory input. And the sensory input tells us where we are in space. So it helps guide us through space. It helps us move our body into space and it makes us use our mu- be able to use our muscles efficiently. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a fun one too. Yeah, I actually worked with a, um, he wasn't a bodybuilder, but he was going to the gym and he was having all these issues with his voice and losing his voice. And um, yeah, it just made me think of that case because, you know, yeah, he had a tongue tie and he's doing full body, you know, work and everything to treat, but it was just fascinating how going to the gym made him lose his voice. <laughs> like weight bearing and weightlifting was made within like 30 minutes, it was gone. And yeah. it was all tied to what was going on, obviously in the root of the tongue, but all the way down through the rest of his system. Because the body's going to give and go, right? Given it's going to, it has a hundred, this is a hundred dollars of resource money. And when he's, when he's not lifting, he can put that resources, a hundred dollars to speech and everything up the movement of the muscles and the, in the, the tongue and the neck and so forth. But then he's bodybuilding. So now it sends its resources down to the legs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it says, well, you don't need to talk right now because you don't right. have any- Right. But- yeah. And so it's, yeah. So fascinating. So fascinating. Well, thank you, Monica, so much for being here. It was my pleasure. Amazing. I, I really enjoyed learning from you and I'm sure that others will too. So like I said, we'll link everything in the show notes and Thank you again. Thank you. You're awesome. I wish you were closer. I know. It'd be so fun to work together, right? No, we think it's just like, yeah, you get it. You got it. Well, thank you so much. All right. Well, have a wonderful day. Have a good weekend. Take care.
Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.